Praise God. Well, uh, next week, we're excited. We've got our prayer, as we call it, revival taking place, preparing for conference. And it's so important that as we prepare for our uh, prayer revival that we understand uh, the concept of why we're coming. We're coming to communicate with God, but yet God wants us to be specific when we come to pray. Because too many times it seems that prayer is an untapped resources that God has given to us. You know, you think about resources that are untapped. You think about the gold and the hills and the silver, the diamond mines that haven't yet been discovered and the resources in the ground, the oil and the natural gas, on and on and on. And, and much of that is still to be, yet to be tapped. And for you and I, the sad thing is as Christians, many times we have not tapped in to the power of prayer, that resource that God has given to us. It's so important that we understand the power of prayer. I entitled my sermon this morning, Prayer, the Power is in Your Hands. Because you have the ability when you pray to begin to move circumstances, affect other people's lives. You have the ability, the power is in your hands when you pray. You tap into the resources that God has allowed us to, uh, to, to be a part of and helps us to go beyond our own uh, physical abilities, our own wisdom when we tap into the prayer life. F.B. Meyer said these words. He's a Christian writer. The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. And I wonder... In this room, how many unoffered prayers there are that should have been offered before the Lord, but yet because of distraction, simply because we've, we have been too busy or uh, we just didn't feel like it, so many unoffered prayers still lie within us that heaven is waiting to receive, that God is waiting to move upon, simply because... We haven't yet tapped into the power of prayer that's in our hands. So I have a short video I'd like to show you this morning, and it is entitled, The Power is in Your Hands.
so much can be accomplished as you and I understand that the power of, 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 of being able to touch people's lives and change destiny in the lives of people, it's in our hands as we seek the face of God. You see, instead of prayer being something we do every day, like we breathe and we eat and we walk and we talk, prayer seems to have become something like uh, we see on buildings that uh, a little glass box that, box that says break in case of emergency. And it's true that many times we look at prayer as only to be used in times of emergency, only to be utilized when we, we run out of ideas or we can't accomplish things ourselves or things get way out of hand. Then we break that little spiritual glass box and we begin to pray simply because of an emergency. I read a story the other day of a man who encountered a bit of trouble in his airplane that he was flying and he called the control tower and he said, uh, pilot to tower, pilot to tower, mayday. He said, I'm 300 miles from the airport. He said, I'm at 600 feet from the ground and I'm descending rapidly and I'm out of fuel. Please advise, over. And so the tower spoke back, radioed back to the pilot and said, uh, dispatcher to pilot, repeat after me. Our Father who art in heaven, that was a true emergency. And we're just like that pilot who many times uh, wait till the last minute before we think about praying. You see, we talk about prayer more than we practice prayer. And for you and I, we need to understand that prayer is one of the greatest gifts that God has given to us. This is, I apologize for that. I had it silenced and my granddaughter Blame it on my granddaughter. She's not here, so I can blame her this morning. That's going to go, I guarantee you, all over the place. But prayer, we think about it, and it's a great resource, one of the greatest gifts that God has given to us as believers. But too many times we ignore that gift. We have the Holy Spirit. We receive that gift. But when it comes to prayer, we push that gift aside. Paul, the apostle, was someone who understood the power of prayer, the importance of prayer, and it was a part of his life every single day. And we need to look at the apostle Paul in my text out of the book of Colossians, chapter number four, and the first uh, uh, verses from two to four, Paul begins to instruct the church there at Colossae, the importance of prayer, how to pray, and what to pray for. And I think the elements are important for us to grasp also. That we just don't pray just to pray because it's a ritual that we perform. When we come to this prayer revival, I want us to be prepared and ready. Be prepared and purposeful with regard to the prayers that God wants us to petition him for. And be aware that God wants to get involved in our life. Before I read my text, I'd like to read this quote. It says that prayer is the conduit of communication between God and man, between God and those who love him. It is that pipeline. Think about that. It is the conduit. And God wants us to take advantage of that conduit. 
Now, Paul writes in Colossians chapter 4 and in verse 2, he says these words, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God would open to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. There's a lot of instruction there for the people of God when it comes to prayer. People say, well, I don't know what to pray for. Prayer is boring. Uh, it, it's prayer, I just can't get into it. You know, let other people pray and, you know, I, I just, you know I, I'll just do it when I, I feel like it. But, you know, the Bible says that we don't operate by feeling and that we need to be disciplined in our lives when it comes to prayer. And that's the first point I want to look at. The Apostle Paul speaks about some attitudes about prayer. And the first one he talks about is persistence. Pray, learn to pray with persistence. Paul says, devote yourself to prayer. That word devote means to continue or to uh, be persistent in uh, steadfast prayer. Devoted, in other words, to prayer. What it does is it gives us the idea of being dedicated to, our, to a prayer life with God. Ask yourself this morning, are you dedicated to building a prayer life with the Lord? It's so important that we understand how that affects our lives. We have been encouraged, Paul says, be devoted. It's not an option, but he's given us basically a command from the word of God. This is what needs to happen to make sure there's a devotion, persistence in your prayer life. Jesus speaks two parables in Luke chapter 18 and Luke chapter 11. And in those two parables, he's talking about persistence in prayer. He's talking about being devoted in prayer. In Luke 18, he's speaking to the people and he's saying that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. So in other words, the picture he's given the folks listening is that, listen, even when you don't feel like praying, there needs to be a commitment to prayer. Even when you don't sense uh, that God is listening to you, you still need to be committed, devoted to prayer. Because prayer is not something we do because it feels, you know, like, gives me goosebumps all the time. It, it, we pray because it's something that we need to be persistent and dedicated toward. And we're going to look at the results of, of what takes place when we pray in Luke chapter 11. Once again, Jesus gives instruction in verse 9. And he's given a promise to the hearers of the word. And he says, listen, I'm talking to you about prayer and persistence. And he says these words, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. And so when we look at, at what the word of God says of, of, about prayer, in Jesus' life, in Paul the apostle's life, 
He is motivating and challenging and bringing a, a command to the believers to make sure that dedication and persistence is a part of their prayer life. And so here looking at this last scripture that we read, what Jesus would, would be saying to those that are hearing is keep on asking, don't stop. Keep on seeking, don't stop. And keep on knocking, don't stop. Be persistent in your prayer life, seeking the things of God. The problem, too many times we give up too easily when we don't get our answer. When we don't feel like, again, as I said, God is listening to us. Or when circumstances do not change. I don't feel like I'm making any headway. So what's the use? It's not working. I don't feel joyful. I don't feel uh, good about praying. One man said, George Mueller, uh, old revivalist, he said this about reading your word and prayer because too often you and I as, as the people of God, we quit reading our Bibles. We quit praying because our feelings, we just allow our feelings to, to overwhelm us. And so listen to what he says. The truth is, is that in order to enjoy the word, how many know you can enjoy reading the word of God? The rest of you are going like, please, are you kidding me? You can have joy reading the word of God. Now listen to what he said. The truth is, is that in order to enjoy the word, you need to continue to read it. And the way to obtain a spirit of prayer or dedication or persistence is to continue to pray. Makes sense. Then he says, the less we read the word of God, the less we desire to read it. And the less we pray, the less we desire to pray. That's the way it works. Isn't that true? In life, that's the way things work. And especially when it comes to reading the word and when it comes to praying. Even if you don't feel like reading your word, you need to be persistent and dedicated in reading the word of God. Why? Because that's where the truth comes for our life. That's where it comes from. And prayer, the conduit in communication where we begin to communicate with the Lord. Can't have a relationship, a, a, a growing relationship, a fruitful relationship, a mature relationship as a Christian with God, the Father, Jesus Christ, if you're not praying. Just like you can't have a relationship a marriage relationship that's growing and being fruitful and being blessed. If there's no communication between husband and wife, how many can say amen? amen. Works the same exact way. The next thing Paul says is that we need to pray not only with persistence, with dedication, but with passion. Passion. How many know we are passionate people? Boy, just put you in a Dodger game or Angel game a Rams game, Raiders game, or whatever. Boy, the passion comes. We know how to be passionate. Put you in front of a buffet. <laughs> Boy, see, now I'm hitting home because we're talking about food. We know how to be passionate. Now listen to me. When you're persistent 
about something in life and you continually do it, then it stands to reason that you're passionate about it. Isn't that true? Because if you dedicate enough time consistently and you are persistent about doing it, whether, whether it's a hobby uh, or, or at work or whatever it might be, you are passionate about it. It stands to reason. So it should be with prayer. Because when we are persistent in our prayer, it means that now we need to become or we should be passionate about it. Paul says in the scripture, we should be what? Vigilant and watchful. Vigilant, aware, and uh, not slothful, in other words, in our prayer life. That's describing passion when it comes to prayer. Too many folks are not passionate about their prayer life. Jesus was passionate. Every time we read about Jesus in the word of God, as he's speaking to his father, there's passion behind his prayers. Think about him in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's preparing for the crucifixion. He is praying passionately, in fact, so passionately that the Bible says he is sweating drops of blood because his prayer is a prayer of passion and it's coming from within and it's not something that he is being religious about, not being mechanical about. Too many times in our prayer life, it's just mechanics. You know, we got to do this and do that and do the other. And, and it's not really coming from the heart. Jesus was very, very passionate about his communication with his father. Why? Because he knew who he was communicating with. Here's the problem. Why we're not passionate when it comes to our prayer life. We lose sight of who we're communicating to. Who are you communicating with when you pray? Not Dr. Phil, not Oprah. You're not communicating with the latest talk show host or the latest uh, a wizard uh, of the day who has the answers to everything. You're communicating with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of heaven and earth, God. Now think about that. People are passionate about communicating with their favorite musicians, their, their favorite sports players. They wait in line for hours to get their autograph, shake their hand, and to say hi, and to get a word from them. And they're passionate about that. How much more should you and I, as the people of God, be passionate when it comes time to communicate with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Communicate with the creator and say, God, here I am. There's this, what's going on in my life. Passionate as Jesus was passionate every time he came to some place in his life where there was, there was assault or there was an attack or there was something that was going on that, that, that he needed to, to hear from his father. He cried out to his father in communication passionately. Why? Because he knew who he was communicating with. When you pray, you're not talking to just some John Doe on this side and Mary Jane on this side and blah, blah, blah. You're talking to the creator of heaven and earth. You understand that. You keep that in your spirit. And when you pray, you'll be, God, thank you for letting me pray. 
Thank you. Be passionate. I don't care how long you've been saved. See, the passion seems to wear out over longevity. The longer we're saved, it seems the less passionate we are about prayer. The longer we're saved, it seems that we start to pull back in our prayer life. And when we look with Jesus' life, when he prayed, heaven opened up. When you and I pray, heaven will open up. God will get involved in your need. God will begin to touch your life when you pray. Heaven begins to answer. But that happens only when we become passionate in our prayer life. Think about praying. We can impact. As you saw in this video, change the destiny in other people's lives. Passionate prayer is prayer from the heart and not from the head. Too many people pray from their head. What do I mean by that? Their prayer has to be some structured thing. It has to be fit within this, 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 this amount of words and has to be this certain prayer unless or God's not going to hear us. And it becomes a head thing and not a heart thing. When you pray from the heart, you know, you're praying, God, you know, help me. I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. This is going on. That's going on. And I'm confused. And that's prayer from the heart. Don't try to be somebody you're not. You're not the Apostle Paul. You're not Jonathan Edwards. You're not some of these revivalists. Don't, they, they, just pray from your heart. Say, man, God, I'm stuck. Prayer from the heart. God answers that prayer. He sees that. Stop praying with your head. Stop. Say, am I being, am I sounding like I'm praying? Do I have the right posture? You know, am I wearing the right clothes? God doesn't care about that stuff. The Bible says he looks at the inside. And he looks to see what's going on in the heart. And he can tell when somebody is passionate about what's going on in their prayer. James 5.16 says, the effective, fervent, not slothful, lazy, lackluster, lukewarm, limp-wristed prayers. But the effective, fervent Prayer of a righteous man avails much. It accomplishes much. It is effective. See, and that's what happens when you pray from the heart and you cry out to God and don't try and fool him and cover up. Like the two men at the altar. You know, that guy, he's a jerk, but God, when you see me, I know you love me. I'm so perfect. God sees right through that. And then pray with thankfulness. Pray with thankfulness. Paul was a man who learned to play, pray with being thankful to God in every circumstance and situation. Constantly we read those words, thankful, thanksgiving in the apostle Paul's life. Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse 20. He says, always giving thanks for all things. Would you say those were two words, all things? all things? All things. Some of us give thanks only for some things. Paul says, I give thanks for all things in the name of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. You see, thankfulness in prayer is an outworking of being 
under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because in some conditions and circumstances and situations, it's only because of the spirit that lives inside of us that allows us to be thankful in those dire times. I did the memorial service for Pastor Sal Ramirez in Chicago last week. And as difficult as it was in that service, you know, you, when you lose a loved one, for the family members, for Sister Adriana, Joey, Lindsay, and, and, and his other daughter, and, the, and the, his brother, and, and family members that were there, and the church folks, because he was a pastor in that church for the Spanish ministry. It's hard to be thankful, but yet, in that service, there were people that were praising God. They were thanking God. Why? Not because... He's not with them, but because he is in heaven, he ran his course, he finished his race, and they were able to be thankful in a difficult situation. So different than when you do a service for someone who wasn't saved or someone who doesn't know the Lord, and there's, there's weeping and there's sorrow, and, and I understand that, but it's, there's no thankfulness taking place because they don't have that understanding that the Apostle Paul had because of his, the Holy Spirit within him, driving him to be thankful even while, where was he speaking from? He was speaking from prison. Those of you who had the unfortunate circumstance of being in jail at one time or another, how many were thankful you were there? I don't know. I'm not talking about being saved. Hopefully nobody's in jail being saved unless whatever. But I'm talking about before you were saved, when you were crazy. And whatever happened, happened. It got you thrown in jail. I guarantee you nobody was happy to be put in jail. The apostle Paul is writing. He says, thank God. Thankfulness. Philippians 4, 6. Paul writes and says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything we should pray, giving thanks as we make our petitions known to God. You see, when we are thankful and express thankfulness, as I wind this down, I'll finish it off next Sunday morning. When we pray with thanksgiving and thankfulness, it expresses our dependence on God and his power. We're saying, God, thank you. Today, I know I'm in this situation or this is going on, but I'm powerless, God. I need you in my life right now. I'm depending on you. Thank you for being with me. That's what thankfulness happens when we pray. It shows that we're dependent on God and his power. When we pray with thankfulness, it demonstrates that we have a relationship with the Lord. As I shared earlier about those folks in that memorial service, they had a relationship with the Lord, so they were able to be thankful. And I could tell in that memorial service, the people who knew Sal, maybe family members or others, that weren't coming to church, that weren't saved, you could tell them, apart from the others, because they didn't have that peace. You could see they didn't have that peace. They weren't settled in what was going on life after death, eternal with Jesus Christ. 
So you could see they didn't have that relationship. But when you're thankful, it's only because I have, I have a relationship with the Lord. So I can be thankful like the Apostle Paul that I was in jail. I could be thankful like the Apostle Paul that this happened or the other happened. Not that I'm happy about it, but God, let your will be done and not my will. How does that take place? Through a relationship with Jesus Christ. When we pray with thankfulness, how many know it humbles us? Because we say, God, I can't change things. God, you know what? It's out of my hands and it's your hands. It humbles us to let us know we're human and we don't have the power, we don't have the resources, but God, you do. It's not about me and my wisdom and my resources, but God, it's about you. So I'm thankful here this morning. I'll humble myself before you. See, that's what happens when we understand prayer and the, and, and, and the different attitudes the Apostle Paul was bringing out there in Colossians chapter 4 in those verses. So when you pray, have a purpose in your prayer. Have an understanding of God and how he wants to move in your life. And then pray making intercession. Intercessory prayer. And I'm going to stop here, but I want to make this point. That's intervening for other people. Praying for God's will in other people's lives. Jesus was an intercessor. This morning, let me ask you the question so we can pick it up next week. In your prayer life, however much that is, how much time is spent praying for other people versus praying for yourself or for your own needs or for your own family? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you should not pray for your family. You should not pray for your needs. You should. But how much time is spent out of your prayer time praying for everybody else? other needs, people in other circumstances, in other situations. As our musicians come up this morning, I'd like for us to bow our heads before the Lord and close our eyes for just a few moments because we were talking about prayer. The power of prayer is in your hands. I can pray for you. Other people can pray for you. But it's not until you learn to pray yourself that you will experience the supernatural power of God in your life results in your life and impacting other people's lives. It's not until you learn to pray and discipline and dedicate and persevere in prayer in your life until you'll be able to make a difference in somebody else's. So this morning, first and foremost, if you're here and you're not serving the Lord, never ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, accept him as your Lord and Savior, then this morning you have that opportunity to pray the prayer of faith. It says, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. That's a sinner's prayer. Simply put, God will hear that prayer this morning. 
backslider this morning? Prayer of repentance. That's what it takes. God, I messed up. I want to come back. Either one of those two this morning, if that's you, first time salvation, or you want to rededicate your life, would you allow us to pray with you here today? Would you simply lift your hand and put it right back down? Because we want to pray with you this morning. We want to thank God for you here today. Believe God for the miracle to take place in your life, for healing to take place in your life, for peace to come in to your life because you're surrendering to Jesus. Anybody here this morning that says, Pastor, I need prayer. I'm not saved or I'm a backslider. Would you allow us to pray with you here? Lift your hand up. Put it right back down and we'll pray with you right now. Anyone? Anyone who has not yet raised your hand, do that now. Lift it up high where we can see that. We just want to acknowledge and say thank you. We want to pray with you. God bless you. Over here, you can put your...